from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for, for from now on you will be catching people. When they had brought the boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. think I'd have figured out the right order by now, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, today's quite a story, quite a collection of stories. God fills the temple with just his robe. If you've ever been or seen pictures of the temple, that's a big space to fill. And God fills it entirely. While glorious angels fly around the room, covering their faces because even their glory is too much for a mortal like Isaiah to see. And that prophet, that prophet Isaiah, author of one of the most central books in the Hebrew Bible, is launched in very dramatic fashion. In our gospel story for today, Peter, the rock, Cephas, Cephala, you know, that's the head, right? That's the name we use for Peter in the gospel today, whose faith is, is looked at as a foundation of the church, encounters Jesus face-to-face -face in a catch of fish that fills not only his boat to almost sinking, but two boats to almost sinking. And in dramatic fashion, once again, an encounter with Almighty God brings about this massive miracle. And those are wonderful, but it can kind of seem like these awe-inspiring stories these, uh, these call stories can be like, you know, kind of awe-inspiring works of art, almost. And our worship space here, or our worship space at home, becomes like a fine art gallery in, in New York or in Paris, where we can come and we can see and we can sort of look at those works of art with awe and wonder. Like this graphic I have for the sermon of it's a picture from The Alpinist, which was a documentary about this young man who is a free climber. And he was free climbing in ways that were entirely unheard of before. I don't know if you can kind of get perspective of the trees below him and the river below him, but he's doing a combination of ice climbing and rock climbing, which is incredibly, incredibly difficult. 
And he's doing it, as you can maybe see, without any ropes whatsoever. I apologize to the vertigo folks in our <laughs> congregation today and at home, right? He's maneuvering through this vertical rock, this ice. Any, anybody, show of hands, would anybody try this? Nope. <laughs> I see some heads going like this, not some hands raising. Yeah, exactly. Neither would I. I've tried some adventurous things in my life, but even watching it on television, I kind of had to wince and turn my eyes away. Well, in kind of in a like-minded fashion, then, has anyone had a, an experience similar to Isaiah or similar to Peter? And no, I don't want to hear your fish stories, right? <laughs> but have you had God's robe fill the temple and smoke come out and angels fly around you? Have you had Jesus show up next to you and do a miracle right there in front of you? Maybe you have. But for most of us, and for myself included, these seem kind of beautiful, but out of reach. Again, like that beautiful art, accessible to the eye, but, but guarded, untouchable for us. Let's look at them for a while. Maybe, maybe their beauty will give us a break, you know, before we have to go back to normal life. Maybe that's why we're here, just to get a little break. At most, perhaps, we can walk away kind of wishing that we might have such an encounter from God as Isaiah and Peter and the disciples today. But I kind of wonder as I dig into both of these stories, is there more? Can we touch this art without being arrested? <laughs> or even more, can we see ourselves in the thick of it? Do these brushstrokes of God reach us or even include us? in this tapestry of encounter and call. Well, resoundingly, and you probably have guessed it already, I'm going to say yes, yes indeed. And now, Pastor Jonathan will tell his amazing call story. It's kind of boring, actually, <laughs> and I'm not going to tell it today. I don't have to go any further than these call stories we have today to find access, to find God accessing us including us in, this beautiful, in these beautiful works of art that continue to be painted and drawn. First, we have Isaiah. And see if this sounds familiar to you. He's frustrated in how his nation is being run. He's frustrated by his own people. And he's even frustrated by himself that he's not responding faithfully either. He doesn't know exactly what to do or where to turn or what to say. There is puffed-up privilege among his people, and it's kind of coupled with anxiety, high anxiety about outside concerns. Again, does any of this sound familiar to you? And God meets Isaiah in that space. I love how Isaiah isn't sort of drawn up to heaven, but he's in the temple. He's in this space of worship. And... Um, <clears throat> And when Isaiah lays down how unworthy he is and how unworthy his people are, God touches him. Now, I have burned my lip badly once. I remember it still. So I'm out on this whole coal to the lips kind of thing that happens for Isaiah. But the point is that it isn't about Isaiah's worthiness. It isn't about his hard work. It isn't about the situation around him or his readiness it is about God cleansing him, reaching down to him, and making him new. 
by the way, by the way, if you're having trouble getting into this story, we started our worship no less, in no less a miraculous fashion than Isaiah's call story today. Listen to me, no less than that. We started at this baptismal font. We started with God coming down to us in our regular lives, in our broken lives, and in our broken world, and proclaiming that we are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Now after this cleansing call on Isaiah, the question comes, whom shall I send? And as I kind of look at the story originally, I think, well, you know, Isaiah's got to be like, please, Lord, let there be somebody else in this room, right? And he's the only one, so it seems like it's obvious, right? But I think the answer, the more obvious answer, would be, uh, how about one of these dazzling angels, God? How about you send one of them? How about taking your robe outside and this and coal smacking the whole nation, you know, hot coal smacking the whole nation. But no, God sends regular, broken, confused, anxious, and not sure what to say, Isaiah. Are you in this work of art yet? Well, maybe not quite. Maybe some still struggling. Okay, well, what about Peter and the disciples? First off, I love the, the progression of stories in Luke. Jesus preaches or reads in the synagogue. He gives the message, and then, and then something kind of physical will happen. Then he's healing, or he's, or he's in the lives of, of folks in a particular way. But Jesus today is taking God's word, and he's, and he's preaching it on the shore, and it's, it's connecting so vibrantly and so richly with people's lives that he's almost getting pushed into the lake. By the way, if you're confused by the lake of Gennesaret, it's the same as the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. It had different names. But anyway, Jesus is almost getting pushed into the lake, so he goes to Peter. And we kind of skipped over this story in our reading in, in the end of chapter 4. Uh, uh, again, this progression. Jesus is preaching, and Peter's listening, and, and Jesus goes to Peter's house and heals his mother-in-law. And, and so we, we miss that story. So there is some interaction by Jesus with Peter. So now Peter goes over to, or, so now Jesus goes over to Peter. And again, even after this encounter with Jesus, even after this healing of his mother-in-law, Peter notices Jesus, he knows Jesus, but, but kind of look at what's happening here. Peter is just back to regular life. <clears throat> and if you know fishing and how they did it in that day, it was kind of a, um, a graveyard shift job. The, the men, of course, at that time would go out and they would, they would fish through the night. And so when they came in, in, you know, in the morning time as Jesus is over there and preaching, they're tired and they just want to go home and get a meal and, and get some rest. And kind of added to this, this day, as we hear later from Peter, there's frustration on their part. They're being oppressively taxed by their invaders, by the Roman Empire. It's, it's very difficult to make a living at that time. There's more and more control of the waters and of the land by the Romans. And they're frustrated because they've caught nothing the whole night. All they want to do is go to bed. All they want to do is maybe get a snack. They're tired. They're at their wit's end. Sound familiar? 
But Jesus asks the question. He says, hey, can I take your boat out? I, I need to get out to, to the crowd so I, can, so I can preach without getting pushed into the water. And so they agree, and they take the boat out. But again, here's the progression I love. After Jesus is done with this message, he doesn't turn to them and say, you know, all right, have a great day. Take me back. He turns to them and he addresses them in their actual lives, in their vocation, in their means of feeding themselves, feeding their families, and feeding those around them, their community. Jesus invites them to fish in new waters, in deeper waters, in a place as yet perhaps unexplored. And they have to unfold the nets, and they're tired and they're hungry, but Peter reluctantly obeys. He's seen what Jesus can do in the past, and so he says, all right, we'll do it. And the catch of fish is overwhelming, as we heard. It not only swamps their boat, it swamps another boat. And you can imagine Peter's response, what it would be. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be rich. Thank you, Jesus, you did it again. I don't know. I don't know how he felt about his mother-in-law being raised, right? But certainly the fish, for sure, is going to be an incredible joy. It's a windfall. But Peter recognizes, kind of where I started today with all of us, that this is a work of art, and he hardly belongs in it. He cowers. He kneels down in his own boat and, and says, Get away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy. I didn't watch it, but I saw that Wayne's World was on TV, the movie, the other day. You know, we're not worthy, kind of a thing. All right, that was for children of the 80s. Sorry. I'll get back to the sermon. (laughs) But he cowers, and he says, go away from me. But Jesus paints him into the picture. No, that's the whole reason. Really, the miracle in the story is not the catch of fish. The miracle in the story is that as those boats get to the shore, They drop the fish right there. They just leave it all, boats and everything, nets, the whole deal, and just simply walk away. There's a beautiful story in the Hebrew Bible of the call of Elisha, and Elisha is called as he's plowing with oxen. That's his job. He's a farmer, and he's called by Elijah to come and to assist him and then to eventually take over as a prophet, and what he does first is he takes all of that kind of as a sign to show that he's not going back to that farming life again, that he's fully committed. He takes his uh, plow and he builds a fire with it and he, and he kills the oxen and he, and he roasts the meat or boils the meat over the fire. And then he gives it to the community, to his family and to others, to his people before he goes. So there's kind of two things going on. There's a, there's a leaving, there's a turning away and going on that call kind of wholeheartedly But then there's also a taking care of those whom he leaves behind. This catch of fish is amazing, but it's not even for these disciples who experience it. Maybe it's for the people. Maybe it's to provide for their families while they're gone. We don't know, but God seems to want to provide and provide in great abundance, even for the families of the disciples who might be left behind. Peter had a mother-in-law. He was married. Maybe he had kids too. We don't know. But God provides there as well in just real, tangible, tangible ways. This catch of fish is amazing. Peter's response sounds like the response of the one in Isaiah. 
But these miracle stories aren't something we have access to, are they? I mean, does God come and visit us in this place? Just regular people in Silverdale? Does God actually do these kinds of miracles? Does the robe of God fill the temple? Is God's presence with us in, profound, in a profound way just as miraculous as what we hear in Isaiah? Just as miraculous as that catch of fish in the gospel today? Yes. Here in this place, we are painted into the story of God. Here in this place, the robe of God fills the temple. Here in this place, the catch of fish is more than we can possibly take in. And then we too are called. We too are painted into this story. We don't need to climb this mountain without ropes. God comes down and meets us in this place. Jesus isn't filling this place any less. And that same almighty and accessible God isn't any less interested in calling disciples in and into a tired and frustrated time, in and into regular life. What does that look like? It's as simple as this meal. But it's also as simple as, I know we have a lot of people signed up for this skating event that we have uh, this afternoon. What would it look like to just say hi to someone you don't know if you're going to that event, either here or at home? What would it look like just to greet someone? Let me tell you an incredible story of ministry that I get all the credit for. Are you ready for this one? Hold on to your hats. It's as amazing as these stories today. I was driving my daughter to school, and I was within the drop-off line, and I happened to see somebody I, from this church I hadn't seen in a while, so I parked and I went over to her, and you get ready. God filled my mouth, touched my lips with that hot coal, and guess what I said? I said, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Amazing, isn't it? And you know what? It must have been because of my powerful words, not at all of God's spirit. But that person and their kid was there on Wednesday night at our youth gathering, and they, when they were there on Sunday in Sunday school, and getting reconnected again. Whoa, I must be amazing. Pas only pastors can do that. Only pastors can say, hey. <laughs> but I wonder what the staff will, will uh, experience from our congregation as we reserve that place. What, what will that be like as, as they're shuffling back and forth of the busyness? What kindness, what compassion will they see? I remember taking some young people to the paintball place out on 303. Some of our folks were really into that. And we went there, and they actually called. If you can believe this, they called a, a few weeks later. They said, when are you guys coming back? And I said, well, what do you mean? And they go, well, we just really like you guys. You're, like, super kind to our staff, right? They got that from the way they encountered those young people that day. As we go filled with God's presence from this table, we too are called into the regular stuff of life. No matter what's going on, up or down, as we are, we are filled. We are called just as profoundly as Isaiah, just as profoundly as Peter and those disciples. Maybe it's just to say hey to someone we don't know. Maybe it's just to pour out kindness when we're not even experiencing it ourselves. Or maybe it's something even more. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that God enters into this place and into our regular lives in profound ways. 
as we are painted into this tapestry that is beautiful and awesome and inspiring, even today. Amen.